athletes. Take your mark. Get set. It's time for the Addict to Athlete podcast. Everybody out there, Coach Blue Robinson at your service. Hope everyone's doing well as we embark into the uh, holiday season, as you will, correct? We have uh, Thanksgiving and the month of gratitude, and then, of course, Christmas, which is going to be kind of interesting in this uh, the new pandemic era. But athletes, I want to turn your attention to um, our podcasting platforms. You can listen to Addict to Athletes podcast on a variety of podcasting platforms. And if you would be so inclined to jump on there and leave us a review, we would uh, really appreciate it. It does help us create content and kind of get a little bit of a gauge on where everybody's uh, emotional stability is at and kind of what maybe you want to hear more about. But athletes, uh, again, our website is up and running. We'll be launching a new uh, store for our team added to athlete with uh, a bunch of new merchandise. You'll actually be able to uh, obtain a legitimate like uh, running jersey, official team added to athlete running jersey. So stay tuned for that. We'll uh, let you guys know when that's ready to go. But to my to my left here, the fantastic, extraordinaire, the athletic director, Marissa Robinson. Say hi. Wow, that was nice. Yeah. Hello. Thank I got to keep on building up on that every time. Have you noticed? Yeah, make awesome. it bigger. <laughs> Marissa and I have been uh, feverishly working to create more content for Team Edit to Athlete, and the Patreon subscribers have helped us immensely do this. And we are we're growing our Patreon family. Yes, we are. It's kind of cool to to see these we names have, jumping on we here. We have two new ones today. We to do. And remember, if you'd like to help Addict to Athlete spread this message of addiction recovery and uh, health and wellness and hope, jump onto patreoncom athlete. And there's several platforms that you can jump on there that yep. get you qualified for bonus material, um, what exclusive offers, yeah. you know, sweaters, hoodies, gear, and. And bonus you can, content. Yeah, you can start at five dollars a month, and you can do whatever. I mean, that's like yeah, a couple cups of coffee, right? Absolutely. Well, just... probably one at Starbucks, right? Yeah. Probably. I don't even know. Yeah. We should probably do a, a little price analysis on that. Yeah. Marissa, couple, a couple rock stars, right? Probably. So absolutely. You know. Yeah. There you go. A couple of those cut down a little, get a little healthier, and and donate and to a our little team. wiser too yeah yeah donate to our team and help us out because we totally appreciate it if you've benefited from our podcasts and content we would love to have you join us and on the platform absolutely Patreon. we got some names to read off all these yes. these amazing people that are helping us put this message out there who, who do they include marissa all right so we have our super fans which is chris williams brett frew scott foster Carolyn Harris, and our new one, Holly Davies. Ah, Holly Davies. Welcome, Welcome to the Holly. Patreon family. Thank you so Holly much, Holly. put in her five miles on the county to county. I think I heard she PR'd. Yeah. Um, like cut off like 25 minutes. She did, and she Friday. crushed it. And the, the section she had was uh, downtown Spanish Fork, Utah, uh-huh. which for some reason at like yeah, eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night was was insanely busy. So she had to not only do that, she had to navigate all the traffic all and everything the, else. So all the cars. Well done, Holly. Thank Good you job, so much. Holly. Uh, the rookie level platform is Josh Hansen, Gary Thurston, Kenny Roseman, Earl Dyer, Joe Jackson, and our new Patreon, Michelle Hansen. Coach Hansen, welcome. Coach Hansen's been doing a lot of running clinic with uh, yes. with Holly and a few others, and, and Earl and several others, yeah. Kenny. So, uh, yeah, we got the we got the running clinic supporting us on Patreon. Thank I you guys because they listen to our podcasts while they run. Probably they're That's like, awesome. let's uh, yeah, let, let's get mentally healthy while Michelle is whipping the chain and getting them uh, getting them going, cutting their PR yeah. times. They're doing they're doing well. 
Then we have our pro level, which is Selena Armitage. Thank you, Selena. Selena, thank you so much. Selena pulled pulled a leg of that relay as well. Yes, at 5 a.m. At 5 a.m. that took us to downtown Salt Lake, just yeah. the second to last. So, Selena, Coach Blue humbly apologizes for not running with you, as he yeah. said he would. Man, I was wiped out the day before. So, congratulations to Selena for accomplishing that goal for us uh, on the on the uh, what county to county, county relay county we're so grateful for them it was cold that morning too yeah so and then our points. champion tier which is shad and freya robison and and team robison who also yeah they came out on the county to county too and emma ran with tyson with tyson yeah and or tyson ran with emma and yeah pushed her and absolutely we're so grateful for, to all of them we did this county to county relay raising funds for our project elf if you are interested in donating and helping for the kids that we're helping for Christmas this year. You can still do that. Our fundraiser, faint fundraiser, I can't talk this morning, is still open. And you can just go to Facebook and donate there. You can also go on Venmo and donate there. And on Venmo is addictiiathlete-robinson. And just make sure to put Project Elf in the comment section. But we would, we're so grateful for all the donations that have already come in that we yeah. will be able to help a lot of kids this year. So it's a big deal. It's a really big it's deal. A big deal. Like, Specifically this year, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I think there's a lot of families in, in a deeper situation because of the economy and, and we're going to need to help some more. So if you're still interested in helping, please jump on there and donate. We appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and just maybe for a little bit of a public service announcement as well with that, um, we actually have a process that helps us um, you know, get, uh, I, I guess, people that, that want to help or that need to receive the help by filling out a little application that talks briefly about you know, their situation, um, the, the who, what, where's, and why of, of what yeah. these kids need, right? Yep. And uh, it really is kind of a... It's a seamless process, but I'll tell you, every time I read these um, these applications, my heart just goes out to them. And I love the fact that we have a team that's able to be self-reliant enough to help with team within. And it's, yeah. it's one of the neatest things, isn't it? I love it. I love it. And M Miracles yes, have happened through Project ELF. Real miracles. Last mm -hmm. year, I think within the last week, we found one or two families that like oh. right before Christmas, didn't literally have days any, before, days hours before, before, really didn't have any Christmas mm -hmm. that we found out about. And I think within like four hours, all the money and gifts were donated and brought. And yeah, it was maybe just incredible. maybe just a specific and special shout out to Terry Sawyer. Yes. Yeah. Um, Terry uh, worked with the Department of Family Services for many years, uh, specifically with um, uh, foster children yes. and DCFS. kind of helped us get rolling in this many years ago. Yep. And I think she's secretly Santa's elf, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, for sure. Because with her help and with her stewardships over being able to collect and just distribute, man, mm -hmm. I'm telling you. It was like Santa's workshop. So, so Terry, thank you so much for, for helping yeah. Team Added to Athlete every well, year for this. She's so great to be able to help us find families. There's a lot of families out there that I think struggle and don't either know that there's resources or are too embarrassed to ask for help. Yeah. And Terry is, I find that to be the cause a yeah. lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Terry every year is able to identify some families that we can help um, maybe through foster care or things like that 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 she just knows on the inside probably wouldn't come and ask for help but she knows and we are able to get them Christmas every year. Yeah, yeah. So athletes, thank you so much for, for listening, subscribing and downloading this podcast. Let's let's jump into our topic because as we were discussing this, Marissa, it was kind of funny because you've heard me talk 
a lot about the inability to teach this. Yes. Because it's so individually personal and like unique to yeah. each individual. So why did we choose it as a topic? <laughs> we, we chose it as a topic because it seems to be something that a lot of us are struggling with right now, mm -hmm. specifically with the political climate that has almost come to an end. Yeah. You know, we have um, we have new restrictions that we were just received from the governor last night that seems to be really tearing some folks apart, which I'm not going to understand and we're not going to get into it. But <clears throat> the topic of forgiveness. Yeah. Just we had we had some of our listeners ask for us to address this. We did. So I hope we do it justice because forgiveness is it's a difficult one. Well, it's hard because um, it's something that you have to do on your own. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand it on your own. And it comes with so many other, I guess, uh, uh, you know, attributes and variables of, you know, too soon, too late, not enough, you know, too, too yeah. much. There's so many aspects to forgiveness that well, it gets buggered up. There's not really exact steps. Like you do this and you do this and you do this yeah. and then you forgive them and you're forgiven and everything's great and you move forward. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> so, so you like and I you were said, even looking personal. at the definition of what forgiveness is. And it was funny because the Webster's Dictionary, uh, Oxford Dictionary, yeah. actually used the word forgiveness it's, in its definition. And it's I'm like, forgiving people. What? <laughs> I'm like, like you, dude, what? You can't have a definition and use the word in the definition. Exactly. So we, we did a little so bit more So they don't even digging. know how to They don't even know how to define it. it. Which is like, you know, define love, right? Like, yeah. Uh, but psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious or deliberate decision of the release of feelings or resentments of or vengeance towards a person, group that who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve the forgiveness or not. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting, um, nor does it mean condoning or excusing the offense. And I like all those points. Those are big deals. It's doing it whether they deserve it or not. It's mm -hmm. not condoning the behavior and it's not excusing it, and it's not forgetting. It's not forgetting. Yeah, forgive and forget, I think, is a, a very cliche thing, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's a beautiful aspect, but it shouldn't be, I think, delivered that way. Mm -hmm. So here's the funny thing, is the reason why I feel that uh, the forgiveness is such an individualized um, effort and, and motion is that you're right, there are no set steps. And so even the things we're going to talk about today are talking points. They're not specifically do A, B, C, and D yeah. to reach Z, right? Yeah. It really is like finding it inside yourself. And, and I'm telling you, we're making a little bit of a plea here, athletes, listeners, and, and all those alike. Um, if you have someone or something in your heart that's holding you back, that really is kind of an anchor that's dropping, that's dropping you down to the bottom of the abyss, mm -hmm. you know, the... The the Marion what is it the Marion Trench what is that called? Oh, it's like the sure. very the deepest part of the ocean. If you feel yourself being yeah. dragged down there, it's a good visual. It's time to start looking at what it would feel like and be like to not. Yeah. Now, in order to do this, I don't mind. Will you humor me for a moment, Marissa, as yeah. I talk a little bit about um, uh, maybe personal forgiveness for me, right? Yeah. Um, as I'm kind of thinking about this yesterday, as we were kind of going over this, a lot of it can kind of stem stem from uh, input from some of the listeners, mm -hmm. and then listening to Savannah talk on the on the minor league podcast. Yeah, if you guys you know, didn't hear that yesterday, um, it's please, a powerful please, one. Please, please go mm -hmm. go take a listen. I'm trying to th remember what's the name of it. Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence came yeah. out yesterday. 
it was a powerful one. I sat here and it's kind of it's kind of like sob, but I got thinking about this specific key and factor. So forgiveness for me came uh, came at an interesting point in our relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And there was one thing that I never thought I would truly be able to forgive. And uh, I'll I'll humor you with this story, Marissa. You've heard this, and some of the listeners have. But I want to just kind of recount what it meant to me, mm-hmm. and how for me it's so hard to maybe even teach the listeners what forgiveness is and how to do it. Yeah. So <clears throat> many of you know Coach Blue's story growing up, very, very turbulent, very chaotic, very abusive, very you know, poverty stricken. Um, the, the quintessential kind of like sob story is what we lived yeah. in. Mom married at 14, yep. married six or seven times. Exactly. You're the youngest of, of that. All, uh-huh. the, all the kids with different dads. Yeah. And, you know, moving a lot. It did, and it came to a point to me where when uh, when I was a, a young child and she moved us from North Dakota down here back to Utah to be closer to family, and mm-hmm. she left my biological father in the grips of a Fargo winter. You know, mm-hmm. It's Grand Forks, but that's close to Fargo, yeah. um, North Dakota. Um, it, I was, it was sight unseen. It was never to be seen again. Yeah. And I heard stories about my father that was very aggressive, very abusive, um, and it always kind of made me sad as a kid to know that my biological father father <laughs> harmed my family members, you know, yeah. physically abused them, that that's the traumatized them. They left in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know, as an abusive wife to get out, get away. Yeah. And my mother told me that the reason that that was the final straw was that I was very sick as a kid, mm-hmm. and um, she needed to take me. Yeah, and... yeah, she needed to take me to the doctor, and it was again a cold night. And he was drunk and belligerent and wouldn't give her the keys. And so she decided that as soon as he fell asleep, she'd pack up all the kids and just leave. Yeah. She didn't tell him where he, where we were going or anything. I think, you know, uh, he kind of realized he was heading back home, but, you know, he yeah. stayed behind. And, and that was it. It was years in the making of this. But as I grew up and as mom was still in turbulent relationships and I said poverty and, and abuse and, you know, physical, emotional abuse, um, it came to a point where I would always kind of think, well, maybe my father's out there somewhere, mm-hmm. and maybe there's a possibility that if if he knows I'm still around, maybe he'll come rescue me. Yeah. Maybe he'll come and, and 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 scoop me up and take me out of this abusive home. Mm-hmm. Every time, you know, the, the devil himself, husband number five, or you know, from, from my mom, maybe after this cycle of him beating me with his belt, um, maybe he, my dad's going to kick in the door and come rescue me. And years after years after years of seeing my my siblings go with their dads and come back with Christmas and gifts yeah. and stuff, and, and I thought visitation. Yeah, I thought one day he's going to come. Um, never happened. You had that fantasy of yeah of hoping for something better. Absolutely. And when you're a kid and you fantasize about that, you keep those things to yourself, obviously. But after a while, those fantasies they turn into anger. Mm-hmm. because you're expecting it and you're waiting for it and it never comes. Yeah. So then instead of he might rescue me, it must be he left me. He yeah. abandoned me. He must hate me. And what's wrong with me? And what's wrong with you know, me? My, my siblings have dads that still stay connected. That, Absolutely. That still come and, you know, take them for a weekend and, uh-huh. you know, yeah. do this fun stuff. And I'm I'm, and I'm not. I miss it. And then, and then, you know, capitalize that on everything I heard about my biological father, you know, mm-hmm. which was he was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He was a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to believe that. But then when he never came for me, yeah. I'm like, must be true. Yeah. Right. You probably, you believe that and then some. Absolutely. 
And so as I'm as I'm contemplating all this through through, through you know, my, my young adulthood, uh, high school and stuff, that anger then turns into coping mechanisms, which resulted in substance use. Yeah. And that anger turned into action when I said, if I ever meet this person. In fact, I, I remember telling you, um, I wouldn't recognize my biological father if he walked down the street with me. I'd never know who he was. Yeah. And I remember being very emotionally aggressive with it and saying, if there's ever a time that that does happen, mm-hmm. I'm swinging. I'm spitting on him. I am. I'm gonna lose it on him. And I had full intention yeah. of telling him how I felt, and maybe like, yeah, you know, the ultimate, the ultimate insult, spitting in his face. Yeah. Why did you walk away from me? Well, as time goes on, and I met you, and and sort of having our own family, uh, it was great because I started being like, and I was. You remember, I was afraid to be a father. Yeah. It made it freak oh, yeah. me out because I'm like, how could you leave these things? Yeah. You know, how could you walk away? How could you choose a substance or a lifestyle over this? Yeah. You know, and um, it really did. It just kind of reinforced my anger. Mm-hmm. And then you remember one day when I was working at the Utah County Division of Substance Abuse, yes. I got a phone call from a client that I had kind of entered into the program the day before. Mm-hmm. Who, just a short who came in? Yep, who came in and um, needed some help with uh, an opiate uh, addiction, right? Yeah. And I remember when I was checking her and doing the intake, all this kind of stuff, she was very fascinated with my name. There's not too many blue Robinsons around, right? Yeah. Robinson is the last name of my stepfather that I took upon myself instead of Thompson, which was my maiden name, right? Your birth given name. Biological maiden name. Yeah. And um, it was interesting because uh, that day after, you know, I got this gal into the program, uh, lo and behold to me, she's calling me because she didn't show up for treatment that day. And I'm like, you're not starting off on a great foot. And she says, hey, I've got a question for you. Yeah. And she, had, she gave me a name. She said, I need to know if Mr. Thompson, but use his first name, right, mm-hmm. is your father. Yeah. And that caught me completely off guard. Here I am, a substance use disorder counselor. Yeah. And this potential client is now bringing up names that I haven't spoke myself in years. Yeah. Years, right? You're and I'm like, well, A, that's weird. That's kind of personal information. I said, I wouldn't call him my father. Yeah, I wouldn't but I, call him that. But I know who he is. Why do you ask? And blew me out of the water with this next line. Yeah. That is my fiance. Yeah. And I've heard a lot about you. And I said, it's been nice talking to you, my lady. <laughs> you will be transferred to another program. And I discontinued the call. Oh. That was it. I went to my supervisor. I said, hey, let me tell you the uh, the, the, the craziness that is Blue's life. I explained her the situation. She said, yeah, let's let's transfer her out. You don't need to be dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gail Seal, amazing yes. therapist who taught me how to One do my job. Mentors. Great mentor. And she listened, and, she, and we're like, yeah. So I washed my hands up. I came home to you that day. I said, hey, Marissa, guess what? This really weird thing happened, right? Really? So then I knew that he was alive, and he was here local. somewhere. Local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of weeks go by. A couple of months go by. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of the blue, I get a call from this gal named Aunt Edna. Yes. I have an Aunt Edna. Yes, Like you Edna do. Mode, like from the yeah. Incredibles, right? And when I answered the phone and she said, is this Blue, Blue Robinson? I said, yeah. She's like, she, I mean, it was almost like she was from the Wild West. She's like, whoa, tell our nations. I can't believe I found you. And she was like <laughs> so excited. I'm like, who is this? She's like, explain it to me. Utah accent. Yeah, she's explained to me, I'm your aunt. 
I'm your aunt. I'm your aunt Edna, and you know your father is my brother, and I've been looking for you high and low, low and high for years. For years, I thought, well, this is a coincidence because just a couple of weeks ago, I had a call from so someone that knew him too. Mm-hmm. She didn't use that channel to find me. She dug no. deep to find me, and as I was kind of like, kind of taken back, because I'm Trying like, what is this? Like, oh my goodness, what is this? Yeah, um, she tells me that um, my biological grandmother passed away, mm-hmm. who I never knew. You know, I, I guess I'd been there when I was a kid, when I was a little, little tiny thing. Yeah. Well, but, and I think you'd had a few interactions with, with her, with Edna, with her. that she remembered. But, but I do not remember that. Them. I was way too young for that. And um, I remember thinking, well, that's okay. Thanks for telling me. But then she asked me if I would be a, a pallbearer at the funeral. At the funeral. And as you know, my spiritual side is, is very strong. Mm-hmm. And I felt it was my responsibility and duty to take... The walk with a woman I never met, you know, mm-hmm. as a, you know, as a, uh, as a, what, a clear thinker yeah, kid, right? Old enough to remember. Old enough to remember um, on her final walk to her final resting place. And before I could even figure out to say no, I said yes. Yeah. And it, it kind of hit me that if Edna's my aunt and she's mm-hmm. having me go to help with my grandma, that means there's going to be a guy there that I need to have a, t- I need to have a conversation with. Yeah. And my intent, listeners, was to go to this this funeral, and to literally tell this man off to his face, mm-hmm. to his face, and to follow through with, with a, a, a plan of, of spitting in his face and being like, you piece of crap, yeah. you horrible man. Do well, you know what you did to me? So I came home that night, told you again, and you're like, what is going on with this thing, right? Another chapter What did you What did you Blue's think of that as, I was like, as all this was coming down on me? Well, we'd had a few other incidents with your family bush yes. we call it the family shrub the family shrub the so, briar patch yeah <laughs> so it was just like oh my goodness this is real like it just seems you know it's one of those things you coming from this you know pretty nuclear family parents are s- still married and okay this is a nice little lifetime movie here we go <laughs> yeah do you think i'm involved in this now mm-hmm so um, the day of the funeral approaches. Mm-hmm. At that time, we had uh, little Brooklyn girls. and little Savannah, just two. Just the right? two. And I go walking in. Um, we, we get out of the car at this at this uh, mortuary, go walking up. And I didn't know this at the time, but I can play it back like it was yesterday. And I had little Brooklyn in one arm yeah. and little Savannah in the other. I was carrying both my daughters in my arm. Mm-hmm. I remember like it was yesterday. Yep. And as I was walking, in, I'm like, you're probably very capable, <laughs> but I hadn't. I scooped them both up. Yeah. We're walking in, and as we're approaching the, the door, out bounces and Edna. Yes, and, and to welcome us. To welcome us. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she's doing all the things that a doting aunt would do, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of like freaked out because I'm like, this is getting real. Well, you just start scanning like, okay. I don't know any you, of these people. Who? Yeah. This is your cousin. Where this is the biological dad. Yeah, this is you your know? cousin. This. This is your cousin. That. This is your, your your great uncle. Whoever. And I'm like, I have a family here. Yeah. Like it was weird, a lot right? To take in a lot to take so in. So I have both the girls in my arms. She's leading us in, pointing out people who I'll never remember, and we walk into you know the the the, the visiting room. And I look over and I see I see grandma, but I don't know grandma. So hey, mm-hmm. right? And there's a ton of people in there. <clears throat> And as we walk in, it was literally like like time started to slow down. Mm-hmm. 
I've got the two girls in me and not not realizing at the moment the reason I was holding them was almost like a shield. Yeah. They were protecting their dad. And you were protecting them. I was protecting them. And so I walk up and we're in the middle of the room and like like the Red Sea and in Moses, the room kind of parts and I see the woman who came in for treatment. Yeah. So I knew the man standing next to her was my biological father. And in my head, I thought, now's your time. Now is your time. Go insult this man, spit in his face, show him what a piece of crap he really is. What he did to you and all the pain mm-hmm. he caused. I walk over to him, and you were right next to me. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, it was tunnel vision. I don't know what you were looking at, but mm-hmm. I walk up and, I, and I, I put the girls down and I stand up and I'm right before him. Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, pull up that phlegm, get ready. Yeah. And I extended my hand. I grabbed his, we shook hands, and I said, it's nice to meet you. Yep. Gone. Gone. All of that was gone. All of the anger, all of the pain, all the disappointment, all the fear, all the sadness, everything was gone instantly. Yeah. And I was a little bit taken back by it because I'm like, this is not what I planned. In your head, you have the script. Oh, yeah. And your heart fully changed. Instantly. Yeah. I can't sit here and tell you right now how it happened. I don't know. That's why I don't think you should get to, I guess, preach you with forgiveness because it's so individually unique. I yeah. don't know what happened there. I, I personally believe... Change of heart. This is where your higher power came in. 100%. This is what we call grace yes where that higher power comes in and gifts you something you cannot do for yourself yeah it's very spiritual i just sat there and it was it was probably moments in time but it Mm -hmm. felt like literally hours it's good to meet you and i'm thinking really yeah. And is, in your head, you're like it? yelling. Right? I am. It's screaming. It's like, now's your chance. You're missing it. You know, after this, like, like I can feel it going now away. Now start. Like, now yeah. stay it. Yeah. I had the girls there. I had you there. And he, he, I don't even remember what he said, if yeah, anything. I don't. Um, I talked to his fiance briefly. Mm-hmm. She told me about a situation she was having that we'd heard of. Um, Due due to her son, due to the the population I worked with at the time, that her son had just recently passed passed away away as well. So they were substance issues. Both her and your biological dad had been struggling. Had been struggling because of the death of the mom and then the death of her Her son. son. And I said, "Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, I've heard about that that situation. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I've heard about it because one of the all my clients knew them, Mm -hmm. right." And they said, yeah, my, my daughter's having a real hard time with it. And I mm-hmm. didn't think much of it. We listened to the funeral. Um, I could feel him watching us the whole time, I remember. But yeah. like I wasn't making eye contact with him. And I was kind of like just really huddled close to you and the girls. Mm-hmm. The viewing is over. We, we take her to the, to the, the, the cemetery. cemetery. We walk her up. We do the final closing prayer. I, I, I remember seeing an uncle that dedicated the grave. Yeah. Um, as we were walking back, he stopped me, stopped us. Mm-hmm. And he said, I have something for you. And he gave us a picture that he had created, that he had That's drew right. of the Savior. That's right. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And he said. An ink. 
drawing yeah, of the Savior. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I didn't realize the value of that at the time. Yeah. And uh, he asked me, he said, I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't need you. I'm a good dad. I have my own family. I don't need you. Yeah. But if you want to have a relationship with me, if you want to, here's my number. Yeah. And I gave him my cell phone number. And that was the last time I ever heard from him. Yeah. 2006. Never heard him again. Yeah. Long time. But it was okay because it was gone. And I remember like just reflecting back at that thinking, what the world? Gone. I don't know why he didn't call. I I don't. And circumstances that have played forward since then makes me question even more. And, And maybe... Maybe it's justifiable to talk about that next yeah. level. Maybe this is why forgiveness had to happen. So, listeners, take, take your pencils out and get your notebooks ready because this <laughs> is hard to follow, and I'll do it the best I can. So, before that funeral, um, several of my clients had come to me and said that they had two close friends pass away from a drug, drug issue. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Back then in 2006, the opiate epidemic was just barely yes. starting to take root. Yeah. So overdoses and things of this nature just weren't happening. And so it was very, it was very devastating to the group members who, who, heard who about cared about these guys. Yeah. And the situation that, that, that happened to these two friends that are, a lot of my clients knew was, was pretty sad. And um, finding out that uh, this, this woman who came into treatment, that one of them was her son, was, was kind of hard. Yeah. Right? Well, <clears throat> weeks go on. And, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're serving in the local church. Yeah. Sunday school in our neighborhood. In our neighborhood, and um, I was serving with the um, youth, the girls, mm-hmm. the young women of the church, and I was teaching Sunday lessons. And the topic came up of drug addiction and drug abuse, and I thought, well, <laughs> I know who can teach that really well. It's the lesson that no one wants to teach because it's like, yeah, how do you teach this, right? Yeah, how do you teach this? And so I, we usually split by ages, you know, the younger girls, the middle age, and then the closer to 18-year-olds. And I went to the other teachers and said, hey, you know, obviously my husband's really good at this topic. Would you guys be interested in having him? I'm going to have him teach my lesson, and I'll be there. But would you be interested? And so they said, yeah, let's please, let's all combine. So we all combined together and um, Blue taught the lesson on addiction and, and drug abuse. And at the end, and it was of the, combined with with all the young women. Everybody yeah. was there. Yeah. So at the end of the lesson, the, they all finished and the girls left and we stayed, me and some of the other teachers and leaders stayed and discussed. And one of the ladies, our next door neighbor said, wow, that was so good. And you know, will you please tell Blue thank you? I know that there are some girls in this in this room today who really needed to hear that yeah. and who are t- deeply touched by addiction. And I said, really? Because you assume that everyone around you is leads these perfect lives and everyone's fine. You would think that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she proceeded to tell me about one girl who whose mother is addicted to prescription pills and, and doctor shops and that she's, you know, quite neglected because mom's always checked out and out of it. And then she told me about another girl in the class that who is being raised by a single father and that her mom has struggled with drug addiction 
and her brother had just recently passed away just a few months prior. And I said, oh, yeah. And so what happened? She, she gave you the basic so scenario. So she told me the story. And I said, this is the story of Blue's biological dad's fiance's son. Mm-hmm. What? And so I'm explaining this to her. And I'm think- and I said, oh, I know somebody that was of somebody, I know that, somebody was that was one of the there two. Was two kids. Yeah. I said, yeah. I know one of the two. I know the story. And she proceeded to tell me. And I was thinking, OK, it's the other one. And as we exchanged notes, we were talking about the same the boy. same client that yeah. came to get treatment with me, yeah. son. So this girl in our neighborhood, it was her brother who and was the son of the woman Your who came to get biological with me, dad's fiance, which means that my that fiance was her mom. So there's a family connection now. Yeah, and and she so, lives so in a house now, four houses and she lived away. not too far away from us. Yeah, in fact, we we, we taught her younger brother a yeah. lot, a yeah. little primary Sunday school, Church. and knew of her mm-hmm. and knew him, um, but and, and knew her dad, and her dad yeah. you know, was you know kind of a, a, a scary guy, yeah. you know, uh, Carrie, right? Yeah, yep. and so. Um, Finally, Marissa comes home and tells me this story because now she's got one. And she says, this is what it looks like. It looks like, you know, your father's fiance, soon to be wife, right, is this young woman in our ward's mother. And I said, Marissa, we cannot tell anyone. Yeah. I said, it's too weird. And I don't know what that looks like. You know, like, let's, Mm -hmm. let's not. And it was interesting because you don't listen to me. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> to tell listeners what happened. So this this girl's name is Kylie. I know she wouldn't She does not care. Mind us sharing that. Um I just felt like we needed to I wanted to know more. I wanted to know You wanted about, to know more about, about my biological your father. Your biological father and her situation. All I knew is that she was being raised by a single dad. I had no idea about her mom. Yeah. But it sounds like her mom had struggled with addiction and so many years, many, many years. And dad had custody. So I thought, well, I don't know how to bring it up. So I slowly tried to build a relationship with this girl, with Kylie, um, and just touch on things. And so here and there, every once in a while, I would ask her about her mom and she would roll her eyes or say something. So I thought, OK, well, maybe I can bring this up because I didn't know what kind of relationship we had she had with her mom. I knew we didn't have a good relationship with your biological dad and it wasn't healthy. So I didn't want to say something mean and rude and have her be offended because she has a great relationship with her mom. So I tried to touch base there. And, and one Christmas holiday, we were taking around gifts to some of the widows in the ward and leaving them on their porch. And it just happened to be Kylie and I, and I just said, so is your mom seeing anyone? And she said, well, yeah, like she's had these other guys, but there's this guy named so-and-so Thompson. I mean, Blue's biological father. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we really like him. And I said, oh, okay. And I just said, you What's know. What's his name? You confirmed. I, yeah, I confirmed his name. And I said, that's Blue's biological dad. And she froze. She did. She froze she? and said, what? What? Yeah. And I said, she goes, no, no, that's not. And I said, no, that's, that's Blue's dad, my husband's dad. And she was like, no, he comes from a good family. He comes from a perfect family. He's been raised in the church his whole life and religious. And I said, no, that's not Mm -hmm. the case. 
and that just kind of opened a door to and you explained to her our, our meeting her mom and yeah and uh and, and my your, dad your situation mm-hmm. and that you're you know your mom left your dad very young age you don't know him at all really you brought but kylie to the house i invited kylie over to meet you and and then we met her dad, her, biolog- or her biological dad, who she's living yeah. with, who was custody. amazing, incredible, amazing man, man. That we were always just afraid of. Yeah. Um, and he's like, holy crap. He's like, I've heard about you. And he, and he had heard about me vicariously through, you know, just communication and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The girl that uh, Kylie's mom or, you know, my dad's fiance at the funeral yeah. was talking about Kylie's was Kylie. Mom. Um, oh, and then was, we realized was struggling with yeah, the death of her yeah, brother. Yeah, the death of her brother. Mm-hmm. And we realized that on multiple times, that means my biological father drove past my house mm-hmm. to go pick her up. Yeah, because she would times? still see them every. Never knew. Yeah, never knew. Um, it was it was pretty wild because um, Kylie became part of our family instantly. Instantly, How, I think she was like what thirteen, then fourteen. Yeah, yeah she's just a little kid. Been a while. But and we did. We laughed about it. We joked about it. We became. Kylie did something yeah, kind of amazing that I close. didn't really realize is that she didn't. She didn't tell my biological dad about me. No. Not for a long time. And I think she. I, I think she felt like if I think that she, needed if, to come about, it, it was would. on you, uh-huh. or on him reaching out to you. Yeah, and then and he would then see the connection. We we never really like I think said that we, that should go either way, but she just did it. Mm-hmm. I told her about my experience and, and all that. She became very much part of our family. She became Aunt Kylie to the girls. Yeah, she started babysitting. And the ward was kind of like, "Hey, why why do you guys always get Kylie to babysit your kids?" And, and why like, is Kylie hanging out yeah, with you? Yeah, why is Kylie? Because because <laughs> she's an awesome. She was an awesome kid, and yeah. everyone wanted to get to know her. Um, but she became a little sister I never had. Yeah. Even even through the weird kind of funniness of the whole situation, but I remember, Bruce. I remember. Um, not too long after we, we met Kylie and, and as we started building that relationship with her, yeah. I came out one day and she was sitting on our front lawn. Yeah. And I walked out. I think I was taking out the garbage or something. I said, Kylie, what are you doing? And she's just sitting there on the ground, grass. And I walked over to her and I said, you okay? Yeah. And she's like, I was just sitting here thinking that it's all been kind of intense for me too. She said, um... When I lost my brother, I never thought I'd get another one. Yeah. And she was talking about me, you know. And said, you know, in the same year I lose a brother, I, I gain, I gain one. one, another one. Just love that kid. So you get looking at the the bizarre complexity, yet the eloquent beauty of how we met her. Yeah. We helped raise her to a certain degree. Yeah, a lot. You know, I, I I stepped in and did a lot of the mothering things that she didn't have. Yeah, I remember one of the first incidents we had together was her coming over asking if I would teach her how to make funeral potatoes. Yeah, which is a Mormon, <laughs> I guess Utah thing of it's really really good. It's you know cheesy potatoes that are so good. And I did a lot of that, and we did together with her. Uh, many times, many yeah. times over. Got to know her, her dad, she, Carrie, very well. We, we became, he became family. Family. Um, and her, yeah, our kids, that is their aunt. Mm-hmm. And they 
call her that and they know that it's, there's it, no difference. It's been an amazing thing, um, you know, uh, about what that was. That all that all pivoted upon the courage of going to that funeral and the willingness to forgive a man to even have a conversation that lasted longer to get information that we could correlate and kind yeah. of connect. And, and I think that truly was the biggest blessing of your forgiveness. It was. It was gaining Kylie. Which is why, listeners, it's important to understand that me forgiving my biological dad for the for the horrible things that he did to my family for for choosing alcohol and, and abuse over relationship with me. Yeah. And then when given the opportunity um, to not take it, to have a relationship with me, yeah. it's 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 been forgiven. Yeah. I can't by the grace even tell you how that was done. All I know is that I had the courage to face it. Mm -hmm. um, and it opened up all these doors, you know? The, the thing that I think is interesting is um, you got to know what forgiveness is and, and really why it matters. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter um, for the person that you're forgiving. It may, but I don't think it mattered for my biological dad. I don't think it did. No. Because I don't think he he felt it that deep. Maybe he did, um, but uh, I, I know that forgiveness is about goodness and it's about mercy and like you said, it's about grace, even if they don't deserve it. Uh, it's about not finding excuses um, for the uh, the person's behavior or pretending that it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It's about moving on. Well, I I remember um, in high school having a a boyfriend that was quite. Um, I guess emotionally abusive. Um, he he did a lot of things that were gaslighting, a lot of things that were controlling, trying to force me to the point of not even talking to other other boys because he would be mad or jealous or upset. Yeah. To um, an issue we had where somebody he was at our house and a old swimming friend of mine came over. And I gave him a hug, and then all of a sudden the boyfriend disappeared for a while, and later I find him in the basement with a gun in his mouth. Mm. Mm. And how emotionally trying some of those situations were, and me hating him for so long after yeah. for what he did to me emotionally. And every, you know, songs he liked would come up and trigger and finally I thought, you know, how I spent a lot of time thinking about him. Yeah. A lot of time thinking about the pain and the anger and the frustration. Yeah. How often does he think about me? Yeah. And it was just this final thing that, like, I don't think he does at all. And I'm holding, holding. on to this something that <clears throat> he doesn't even think twice about me. Yeah. You're you know? drinking the poison hoping yeah. he gets sick. Yeah. And that was that was the big awakening for me to go, I need to let this go. I can't. It's not keep, worth it. It's, this isn't worth it. Yeah. I'm not doing anything to, quote, get him back, which is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and now with even more age in between and being able to let that go and more maturity on my side, I, I look back at those situations and so many others that I could easily just hold grudges and hold anger and resentment as just empathy. Yeah. Like, I know this ex-boyfriend story. It's horrid. 
Yeah. Horrid. You know, his parents gave him alcohol in his baby bottles. You know, he started smoking weed at like six or seven. He was, you know, cocaine at probably 12. Very, very abusive home. And I'm blaming him for how he's treating me. But now I can look at those and so many other situations and just feel bad that they're in a situation that they feel like they have to act that way or they have to do that mean thing to us. And I think it's much easier to work towards forgiveness when you can see a portion of where they're at. Again, it still does not condone it. No. But understand and just feel bad that they're in that situation that they act that way. Exactly. That's so mean or so abusive or so anything else. I'm glad you said that. And again, no better place to find the reasons why than to rewind the tape and listen to Savannah's minor league podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you're talking about is addressing your inner pain. And it's important to figure out you know, who ha- has hurt you yeah. and why you feel the way you do. And sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there are many forms of emotional pain that come from anxiety, depression, unhealthy behavior, substance use, lack of trust, all that stuff that can be, uh, I, I guess, eradicated yeah. with forgiveness. And I think understanding that forgiveness is a process. It has many steps. Oh, yeah. It's nothing that's in a linear fashion. Because if you do it too soon, yeah. and I've seen people do this, I've seen people attempt to instantly forgive. Mm-hmm. Because it's a noble thing to do. It's the Christ-like thing to do. Yeah. But if it's premature, what happens? It's resentment. Resentment, right? this emptiness. Yeah. It doesn't feel itself. Like and you, you said. Then you start getting guilt. Yes. You felt a real healing and a feeling in that void in, in your heart where I think others, then they have that emptiness. Yeah. And you know what? To find and address that inner pain, you may be able to do a lot of this accounting on your own. Um, but you also may need some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, therapist, yeah, counselor, help. professional, absolutely. You, you were available. Did you know that there's studies that show that forgiving others produces a lot of psychological benefits? I'll bet. Um, it's been shown to decrease depression, mm-hmm. decrease anxiety, unhealthy anger, even decrease symptoms of PTSD. It happened somebody, to me. Yeah, you know PTSD. When I was exper- when I was introduced to EMDR therapy, and when I became certified to do it, a, a funny cork in in my existence actually turned out to be forgiveness for a mother who failed to recognize my fear, mm-hmm. and you know failed to protect. Failed to protect, and so I I placed this on an inanimate object, and, and you know we'll call it a clown. Let's <laughs> not you know, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. But what it stemmed from was when I was in a position where I was terrified, she didn't render aid. And so I had, through EMDR and through that, I was able to forgive her mm-hmm. because I, I understood it. I think we need to develop um, a forgiving mind through empathy, which mm-hmm. is hard these days. Right yeah. now, there's a very uh, in empathetic world that we're living yeah. in. There's such rigidity and there's such turmoil and it it really is about perspective and about pain you know we are coming off the heels of the 2020 elections Mm -hmm. and our nation's divided yeah and we need to have a a mindset of empathy if we're even going to forgive yeah does that make sense i mean i I mean that's the best way to do it is to look and say you know 
what kind of a situation does that person need to be in to say or do those things? And that's got to be a painful place to be. And that's, that's difficult. And have them that empathy for where they must be to act the way they do. But again, that's the reason um, that I put an entire narrative together about my biological father. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in with my two girls as my shield and I put them down and I, I shook his hand, it's good to meet you, I felt the empathy of a man who, who didn't get to know me. He didn't get to see yeah. the man I became. He didn't get to see the triumphs. He didn't get to see the graduations. He didn't get to see my union with you. He didn't get to see these yeah. girls. He'd never met any of them, the yeah. boys. Um, he's without, not yeah. me. Why would I hold a grudge to that? And what a sad situation. What a sad I mean, life. Because no. I know heard, where it's got to hurt him. And we've heard because of Kylie some of his life yeah. along the way. And a very lonely man who has had to struggle and added to the struggle by not connecting like I'm sure he and you would have liked. But that's you know a what, sad though? place. It was because I felt that love from your father and for what he gave me. That's why when, he, when I was running with Gary, um, it meant more to me than just training for a marathon. Oh, yeah. It meant so much more to me. Gary taught me how to be a father. Yeah. He did. Just by how much he loved, he continues to do that mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. Um, I think we have to find meaning in the suffering if we're going to look at why, why it even happened in the first place. Why would I have to experience that? Why would you have to experience that? Yeah. We go through a great deal of suffering and support and remind ourselves um, what we've endured, right? Um, yeah. and, and to find meaning in it so that it doesn't diminish our pain, right? Yeah. But it makes the best of all things and understanding that they happen for some kind of reason. Be able to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And what is it you can gain from those experiences to make your life better, to make your choices better, to even reach out and help others because of your experience mm-hmm. gives so much meaning and so much purpose if you can get to that point. If you can get to that point, because when when forgiveness is, is hard, you've got to call upon your other strengths. Mm-hmm. I had to dig deep with courage to walk into that funeral that day. Yeah. I had to dig deep into some humility. You know, I had to dig deep and I had to call upon other strengths. Um, but we forget that. You know, when we, when, we, when we work things like the steps and we're asked to make a personal moral inventory of ourselves, everyone lists the bad stuff. Yeah. No. A moral inventory is also your strength. We've got to remind ourselves of what they are because when forgiveness is hard, you've got to pull those up to the front line. Addressing, I mean, the courage it takes to keep moving forward in spite of all that you have been through, in spite mm-hmm. of all that we had each been through, you the listeners, to have that courage and being patient with yourself. Those are huge strengths. Absolutely. That you're still here. And I think something that we need to do that's really difficult, and I think sometimes it's for a very specific reason, specifically if you are in recovery is to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Most of us tend to be harder on ourselves than we ever would be of others. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people hold themselves responsible for putting 
themselves in a certain situation where abuse or you know neglect or a million a myriad of other things happened Uh you know even if it's a car accident just you have to be able to forgive yourself Mm -hmm. for what you what you did in those circumstances absolutely i mean in self-forgiveness you honor yourself as a person even if you are imperfect which we all are right yes um, if you've broken your personal standards in a serious way, you're, there's danger of getting caught in self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Forgive yourself. And I think... Be, be humble. And, yeah. You know, like I think one of the strongest ones is... That's really... It's really prideful as you... I mean, that's kind of a kick in the gut, but... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pride in holding on to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Instead of being humble and patient with yourself and others and being able to let that go. I think it it completely can be summarized by developing a forgiving heart. Um, When we overcome all that suffering, um, we gain a more mature understanding, I believe, of what it means to be humble and courageous and loving in a world that seems to reject those things. Yeah, It's hard when we have our own opinions and viewpoints, but Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, nothing will will get you deeper into that despair and darkness as failing to forgive someone who's wronged you. Well, I know with a lot of our athletes who are in recovery and a real healthy place in recovery, they are the most forgiving people. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of that has come through their experience, through them being able to work through, let go of things, because it makes you much more forgiving to other people and understanding whether it's behavior you did or somebody did to you, to be able to be more loving, to be more kind, to Absolutely. be more understanding and empathetic. And this is the thing, I think when you can look at the reflection in the mirror and understand that your addictions and the things that you did to to avoid the pain, mm-hmm. right? When you forgive and, and, and understand that you did that probably to survive. Absolutely. You know, you have to understand that when you shed all that bitterness and you put love in its place, and you repeat it with the people and situations in your life, mm-hmm. you are absolutely unstoppable. Absolutely. I love is the only thing in this world that truly exists. Mm-hmm. You can feel it, it's tangible. That was quite a rabbit hole, Marissa. Yeah. And I don't think it went the way that we, we anticipated, but it went where it needed to be, yeah? Yeah, I think, we, I think <clears throat> it was very informative. Hopefully, I pray it helps a lot of you listeners. I do too. And I need you listeners out there to know, too, that Coach Blue is a certified addictions counselor and a mental health therapist. Mm-hmm. And if you need help, you know, especially in these, in these times, um, with the opening of my private practice and um, telehealth, mm-hmm. I can help. Yeah. You know, and, or, or we can find referrals to get you help. Absolutely. All you need to do is reach out, uh, you know. Shoot us an email. What's the best way to get a hold of us, Marissa? Marissa at addictathlete.org. If you shoot Marissa at addictathlete.org a message, um, she can shoot you a scheduling link, yeah. and we get can scheduled. see what we can do to help. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's time. It's time, to, it's, it's time to get that power. There is, there's great there is great strength that comes from forgiveness. Yeah. You've seen what that happened, what happened to me yeah, after oh, that, sure. and what happened to, to, to Kylie mm-hmm. and to the hundreds of people that we've been able to help um, get this. The weight that is released. But that, I need you all listeners yeah. to know that there is no one way to do this. Mm-hmm. And I can't sit here and tell you that that was the way to do it because I don't know. It just, it, it happened. 
Yeah. It happened. And it's to me, I think it's a miracle. And again, it's it's, an there's not a miracle. timeline of, you know, you have three months to get it done in or you've got a year after an incident to forgive. Yeah. Each of us are on our own course and mm -hmm. it's our own journey. And I believe as, as long as you're moving forward and working towards it, you're improving. Absolutely. And it's only an individual journey. It is. Listeners, thank you so much. I want to thank Radio Ronan for uh, being uh, able to partner with Addict to Athlete and host us with the Radio Ronan Network. Um, check them out, you guys. They got some good stuff. Um, you know, from uh, from their day, their, their their two weekly shows, mm -hmm. uh, Greg's Greg new guide to music, uh, the New Day podcast, KP, right? Yeah, KP Brown, KP Brown. Story. Uh huh. Oh man, you guys, jump on there and listen to some of these. It really means that we're talking to Jeremy about this. Uh, there's so many podcasts you want to listen to. You don't have enough. You don't have enough time, time right? <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, go walking. We don't do as much TV uh, as we as we. We'll probably do more in the pandemic, but we listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Share these. Thank you, Radio Ronan, Josh, Chunga, Spencer, and Chandler. And athletes, uh, jump on our page. We have lots of community resource. We have lots of stuff that uh, is being prepared to help you in your journey of recovery. Um, so stay tuned for, for more of that. But until next time, listeners, athletes alike, go turn your mess into a very powerful message. Athletes, Coach Blue Robinson here. I wanted to personally thank each of you for downloading, sharing, subscribing, and leaving us reviews for all of our podcasts and our YouTube videos. We'd like to extend the offer to you to join and become a member of the Patreon family. By becoming a Patreon subscriber, you're able to help Addict to Athlete as we move this team across the country and hopefully the world. The donations that you offer help increase our outreach and allow us a bigger platform to help expand our message to all those who are affected with drugs and alcohol. Team Addict Athlete has established five tiers of support, starting with the fan at $5 a month, the super fan at $10 a month, the rookie level at $25 a month, the pro level at $50 a month, and the championship level donor at $100 per month. Each tier has its specific perks that you're able to choose from, starting with bonus content, leading all the way up to advertising opportunities, and so on. By being a Patreon subscriber, you are qualified for all of our bonus content, exclusive deals, exclusive merchandise, and much more. It's super easy to become a Patreon subscriber and to donate to Team Added to Athletes so that we can continue to reach out and do more. We'd love for you to jump on our Patreon page, and you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash addict to athlete, all one word. And there you'll find the five tiers that I've just mentioned and be able to choose which one works best for you and your family. We look forward to continue to grow our podcast as we've done and create a better, more healthier, sober life for all who we love.